You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To the uh, minor league baseball 2019 regular season and uh, uh, we're gonna get a blizzard where I live tomorrow so feels like summer <laughs> well it did feel like summer for you <laughs> it did it, w- it did yeah. it was great it was great up until today and uh, eh, no, not so much not so much this just reinforces my feelings about Colorado most of which before I visited and it's very lovely when I visited most of which were reinforced by the shining and yeah. just assuming that the entire state just shuts down from like November to March. Yeah, um, it's true. No one move here because that's how it is. It's terrible, and uh, we're full. As, you're, yeah, as you're I just trying told. to keep traffic low. Is, is what you're doing right now. I, I see <laughs> Which, through your game. We've all failed at miserably. If that's our end game, um, but uh, yeah, blizzard warning for the the Denver metro area. We're actually recording this. Uh, uh, in the morning, it's uh, it's 9.30 a.m. on Wednesday, uh, Mountain Time, which we, we rarely record in the morning, but, um, you know, I wanted to make sure I could batten down the hatches before... No, that's not why we're recording in the morning. But, uh, yeah, it's... <sighs> That's my mood. My mood is just one deep sigh. They've already uh, <laughs> they've already banged the Rockies Braves game for tonight um, because it's supposed to be like sixty five mile an hour winds around here. Which, speaking of that, by the way, it's a minor league baseball podcast. My name's Tyler Mon. He's Sam Dykstra. Um, we introduced that as though like people have downloaded it and have no idea what it is. What is this thing that showed up on my phone? Who are these people? Um, last night, the uh, the Lancaster Jethawks had a game postponed because of wind, which um, Lancaster named its uh, its Copa de la Diversión identity wind in Spanish, um, kind of owning their reputation as the crazy wind spot in the minor leagues. You can't be postponing games because of wind. you got to own that. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't care that it's 50 mile an hour winds. I mean, we had, we had this discussion in the office yesterday about whether uh, there was a button in the system for like delay of game or game suspended because of wind. Right. Like Which, we went through all the be. things that. No, there is. There yeah. is. The okay. Wind we, was definitely in there. There was like uh, there was rain. There was snow. There was. Just inclement weather, generically. Okay. Um, there was tragedy. Tragedy. There was That's the unsettling one. I remember uh, yeah. in 2012 when I worked in Double A for the first time. We had game day. This is back in the days before the Class A levels had game day, had pitch by pitch game day. So uh, in order to update things uh, in game day, you could select all these different options if you were delayed and whatever. And yeah, one of them was tragedy, and I was like, oh god, that's really uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't want to think about the circumstances where that's used. Um, to me, it would be like, oh, they ran out of churros. <laughs> Tragedy. I mean, San o- don't put it past San Jose. They might do that's that. That's true. Exactly. Exactly. These are the things we need to think about. But, yeah, they uh, wind yesterday, which, you know, it was it was bad wind. It was like 40 to 50 mile an hour gusts were expected in the Antelope Valley, uh, so they postponed that game. But I kind of feel like, like, what's the average there, like 30? Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit less than that, but I'd still wa- I would just want to see a game played in that environment. Yeah. Um, you know, we already think of Lan- Lancaster as a launching pad. What happens if there's just a pop fly to short? Yeah. Maybe and then that just wins. carries. 
You, if you think that whole play with Marcelo Zuna last night of him like jumping on the fence and then having to run about 15 feet in to try to catch the ball yeah. because he misjudged it, if, if you think that was bad, just imagine what would happen at a Jet Hawks game yeah. in which gusts are like 60 miles an hour. Yeah, that would be pretty entertaining, and I think we should make sure that that happens next time. Yeah. Somebody needs to. Uh... Somebody needs to make sure that Lancaster will not be allowed to can't just remove that option from their uh from their game day. Nope, you can't put wind. Sorry. It's gonna have to be yeah. rain or something else. Um, but <laughs> that's that's where we are. We've covered the all the weather for the western half of the United States. <laughs> As we kick off this weather podcast, uh we'll be joined by Mike Trout later. No, we won't. Uh we will be joined, however, Mick Rodolfo, the eighth ranked prospect in the Chicago White Sox organization, joins the show coming up in a little bit. Um I had kind of forgotten about this. His MLB pipeline uh, bio is uh, is led by this sentence, quote, after a bonus skimming scandal in 2008, essentially shut down the White Sox international operations for a few years. They got back in the business by signing Adolfo for $1.6 million out of the Dominican Republic in 2013. I forgot about that in 2008 with the White Sox. That was, we kind of, we've talked uh, over the last few years about, you know, the Braves uh, issues, obviously, and some of the other things that have come up uh, around the international market. I sort of forgot about that with the White Sox. And Especially nowadays, when you look at the White Sox top 30 prospects, and Aloy obviously leads things off. Aloy Jimenez at number one, and uh, Luis Roberts at number four, and Luis Alexander Basabe is at number seven, and Mick Rodolfo is at number eight kind of forget for a while that that was a team that internationally was just doing nothing because of that. Yeah, no, I mean, a, a lot of those guys have been brought in through trades and all, all that kind of stuff, but yeah, right. Uh, one, of, one of the things that I really liked about this interview with Mike Rodolfo was. I learned something from him. Um, I wanted to get into, you know, we don't, just because this is the nature of it being an English language podcast, we don't get to have that many Spanish speakers on, um, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, Adolfo speaks fantastic English for somebody who was signed out of the Dominican Republic. So I asked him about that. And you'll hear it later, but he says, you know, I, I spent time in the Virgin Islands. I spent time in New York uh, before going back to the Dominican Republic so I could sign and, and spending a couple of years there. Uh, guys, incredibly well traveled. Um, and, you know, he's not your average prospect coming out of the Dominican Republic. Unfortunately, injuries have taken their toll. And there's, you know, he was signed as part of the class with Eloy Jimenez and and Glaber Torres and Rafael Devers, guys who were at the major league level. And the injuries are the only reason why he's still really at double A. But uh, yeah, fascinating conversation about that aspect and what it's like to, you know, move to the United States so young and get used to not only playing baseball every day in this atmosphere, but also getting used to the culture and what that type of transition is like. So you guys will hear that coming up in a couple of minutes. Adolfo coming up in just a little while, and uh, we'll get started on this week's episode of the Show Before the Show podcast. Uh, thanks for finding us wherever you did at MILB.com slash podcast or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. You can give us a rating and a review and a subscription. You can get in touch with the show as well, podcast at MILB.com. And uh, we'll get started. We are nearly a full week into the minor league season, and... With that, uh, already we've seen some uh, early big stretches from prospects, uh, whether it's on the mound. Some guys have already gotten a couple of starts in uh, or guys who have started off hot at the plate. Early standout, Sam, for strike one on this week's episode. Who you got? Yeah, there are three I want to touch on real quick. Um, one you've already mentioned, Tyler, talking about that White Sox system is Luis Robert uh, back at, at Class A Advance, Winston-Salem. Um, you know, he was somebody who, you know, Ever since he signed out of Cuba, we were told was had the t- potential to be you know a five tool monster, uh, really really cool 
outfield prospect, the, the likes of which somebody like a Victor Robles or, um, you know, some something like that that can just show off multiple tools, and he hasn't done it yet, mostly, again, because of injuries. He, he only played 32 games for Winston-Salem last year, uh, did not homer in any of those games. You were always told the power would come eventually. Showed it off a little bit in the Arizona Fall League after making up for some lost time. But we all wanted to see what he can do, you know, fully healthy, fully at, at the capabilities uh, that, you know, he's shown elsewhere. Six games into the season, we're already seeing that. He's homered four times in six games, which is just crazy. Uh, he's hitting 423 with a 962 slugging percentage because he's also got two doubles, so six extra base hits in six games. Uh, 1.44 OPS. Uh, probably will move pretty quickly. I mean, the only reason reason he's back in Winston-Salem is because they want him to have a little bit of success there. He only hit 244, the 625 OPS last year in those 32 games. Just let him establish himself, but he's doing that real quick here. Uh, would not be surprised to see him in Birmingham by May, uh, just because, you know, at, at his age, he is 21, which is not old by any means, but, you know, that's about the level in which we could say, okay, you know, if he gets pushed to double A, given what we know about his skill set, um, you know, he could handle that probably already. They just need to establish this foundation, which he's done incredibly well, which has been really, really neat to see. And, uh, you know, the White Sox, a after kind of striking out on the free agent market this year, they add him and as they sign him to an extension, he's going to be a core piece for a long time. Dylan Cease, who did really well for AAA Charlotte last night, they want him to be a core piece for a long time. Uh, Robert, they would love to see slot in right there. Uh, he's obviously three steps away from the majors right now, but could be two steps away, could be one step away by the end of the season, uh, which would be really, really cool. So good to see him get off to a quick start. Another one is somebody who we actually mentioned last week as part of the opening day mega cast, which was a lot of fun for anybody who listened to that. If you haven't go back to that, uh, we were talking about our Bauman home run award predictions and I, I snuck in at the end. It's still not my prediction. I'm not, I'm trying to get away from doing two predictions in one. Uh, um, but Nolan Gorman Cardinals first rounder from last year, spent some time at class a Peoria cause they saw how good of a slugger he was, how good of a power hitter he was. He ended up hitting 17 home runs in 63 games between Peoria and Johnson City. They sent him back to Peoria this year. Uh, first six games, two home runs, one triple, three doubles. He's slugging 917. None of this is is you know sustainable by any means. But again, what do we know about Gorman coming into the year is that he could be the game's next big you know, power slugging prospect. And you know, he doesn't turn 19 until May uh, to see him start out the year at the Midwest League, a, a league he's already comfortable at and continue to slug like he did last year is really, really neat. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be as quick a riser as Robert could be this year, because, again, you know, this is just his first full season. Quick start, not going to take too much away from one week. Uh, but to see him turn it around or, or just keep it going, honestly, back with the Chiefs has been really, really cool. And uh, one more I want to throw out. This isn't that much of a surprise, uh, but Casey Mize has gotten two starts under his belt and has looked very much like the number one overall pick we all expected. He struck out 15 batters in 11 innings with Class A advanced Lakeland, has yet to walk a batter, which is cool. Uh, he's only given up five hits in 11 innings, holding FSL batters to a 135 average. He's got a 0 0.5 whip. Uh, I kind of expected him to start the year at Erie. De Detroit has been very upfront about this. They've said, you know, listen, we know he's our top. We want him getting out on the right start, on the right track. Uh, we're not going to send him to Erie and have his first couple games 
to be bangs because of weather, because that's what happens in the Eastern League in April. We want him getting on a normal schedule, just pitching every five days. Uh, he's d- done that so far. Uh, once it starts to warm up a little bit up north uh, and, you know, the Seawolves are playing consistently. I would expect him to be up in the area because obviously he has nothing else to prove here. Uh, he's one of those pitchers that just has, you know, absolutely so many weapons to work with, starting with the plus plus splitter. Um, but his fastball is a plus pitch. His slider is a plus pitch. His control is exceptionally good. As, as I said, no walk so far in 11 innings. Um, so again, just t- ticking all the boxes we thought he would, um, but to, to as much as we like being surprised, seeing things confirmed is just as cool after spending such a long offseason talking about this and what Mize could be in his first two starts. Now we know, and it's just as exciting as we all expected. Uh, one guy I want to point out who was uh, unranked but has started the season crushing the ball, Brad Zernica and the uh, San Diego Padres organization. He had two homers again last night. He's got five already through the first six days of the season um, and had five RBIs last night and uh, one of the early power guys uh, in the, the minor leagues and as if they needed more prospects in that organization to start doing massive things and crushing the ball. Um, strike two, Sam. What surprised you so far in the early going this year as far as uh, performances and and prospect status goes through the first week? Yeah, so I've got two Zachs, actually, uh, spelled different ways. The first one is Zach Collins uh, sticking in the White Sox system again uh, at AAA Charlotte. Uh, Collins has always been a a good power hitter there. You know, when he was drafted coming out of college at at the University of Miami, first round pick in 2016, everybody believed in the bat more than they believed in his ability to be a defensive catcher. Uh, But he's kind of been an interesting case uh, through his first, you know, three minor league seasons going on his fourth now. Uh, He's a three true outcome guy. He's going to strike out a lot. He's going to take a lot of walks. Uh, He struck out 158 times in 122 games last year with Birmingham, Uh, but then walked. 101 times as well so he had a 234 average but a 382 obp um but right now through the first four games with charlotte uh the power is really really coming through uh he's got four homers in those four games really keeping that up uh, all of those games have been at home charlotte is a little bit of a bandbox there in the international league especially from that circuit's standpoint uh if you were to hold it up against the pcl might be you know not hold up quite as well but uh as far as hitters parks in the aisle go he has played all of his games in Charlotte, and that that might help him. But two homers on the first day. Uh, he's homered in each of his last two games as of when we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. How can he keep that up against AAA pitching? Uh, is he going to start to take more walks? Again, he struck out four times in 14 at-bats. So is he just going to completely lean into this three-true outcome? Uh, you know, I'm going to be spending more time looking at him than I would have maybe otherwise coming into the, this week. And the other one that's kind of surprising to me might not be to, to followers of the Miami Marlins system, but Zach Gallen had an absolute dominant start. Uh, for AAA New Orleans, struck out 11, did not allow a hit or a walk over seven innings in his first start of the year. Uh, this is somebody who did not strike out anybody or did not strike out double digits in any of his starts last year with New Orleans. Does that in the first start against Round Rock, who we said, you know, Round Rock might have one of the most impressive lineups, most impressive all around rosters in minor league baseball. So for him to do that, uh, that quickly on April 5th was really, really neat to see. Uh, he had a 3.65 ERA and 133 in a third innings with New Orleans last year, hitting the ground running now. Is he going to be somebody who's you know, going to show r- wicked stuff and, and stand out in 
that way. No, not necessarily. Uh, the cutter is his only above average pitch, but he's got four average pitches, so he, he could stick as a starter. Uh, we've said this time and time again, if this Marlins rebuild is going to work, they're going to need more than just, you know, your Victor Victor Mesa's, your Monte Harrison's, your Isan Diaz's standing out. You're going to need the guys at the lower ends of the prospects spectrum breaking out and, and Gallon is doing that already. Um, how can he keep this up? I'll, I'll be keeping a close eye on it. But after a full season of AAA last year uh, to come out the way he did, he's going to put himself on the major league radar very quickly. And uh, especially when it comes to swing and misses and, and you know, that those strikeout numbers. Um, I don't think he's going to keep on a pace of having 11 every seven innings, but if he gets more whiffs than he did last year, then he's definitely going to work his way into the Miami rotation shortly. Hey, and uh, somebody else to plug in that system. Congratulations to Braxton Garrett, who returned to the mound, the seventh overall pick in the first round of the 2016 Major League Baseball first-year player draft. He had only made four professional appearances uh, in his career coming into this season. Had Tommy John surgery in 2017. He missed all last year. Uh, didn't pitch in 2016, his draft year. Four appearances 2017, uh, and then had been uh, gone for the last basically two full seasons. But he went back out there last night through four innings for Class A Advanced Jupiter uh, we're again recording this on Wednesday, so it was Tuesday night. He struck out six over those four innings, allowed uh, two hits and a solo homer, and that was all. So congratulations. Whenever a guy gets back from Tommy John surgery, it's an accomplishment, despite the fact that so often these days we just kind of think of that as a routine thing of, oh, well, yeah, Tommy John surgery, and now you'll have a year away, and then you'll come back better than ever. Um, it is still one heck of an accomplishment to come back from that. So congratulations to Braxton Garrett. And great stuff for the the marlins organization to be able to see him back out there and uh and healthy and hopefully uh no more setbacks for uh, a young guy who's still got a whole heck of a lot of promise uh headed into i mean still uh the <laughs> early 20s of his career he's 21 right now he's missed pretty much two full seasons and he's still only 21 and this is the class a advanced level so kind of right on track um strike three this week we have talked so much about the san diego padres uh and their prospect contingent that has already made it to the major leagues another guy is back up there already luis arias who uh the padres kind of envision as the double play partner for fernando tatis jr for years to come he is back up in san diego was called up earlier this week um sam your reaction to this padres off to a decent start in and uh, Arias uh, initially was headed to AAA El Paso and was there just very briefly to get the season started, but already back up in San Diego where he was last year. Yeah, no, this is this is very exciting because, um, you know, last Friday I did a, a story on the most aggressive you know assignments coming out of the season and the least aggressive. And I, and I had Arias as least aggressive. And I get it, you know, he, he, He's only 21, and um, you know if you're going to bring up Tatis, you just signed Ian Kinsler, you just signed Manny Machado. Not a lot of spots in the infield. Somebody's going to have to go. And Arias, you want getting regular at-bats. But the guy had nothing else to prove at AAA. And to see him do what he did in AAA uh, you know, in a brief time was really neat to just see him force the issue. Uh, he went 6-for-18 with a homer, a double, and a stolen base. He had a 9.56. OPS in, in those first four games with El Paso gets called up wicked quick. Uh, they slot him in immediately at second base and leadoff uh, in his first game. Doesn't go quite as well as, as you would hope, you know, for your major league debut this season. But still, uh, you know, the Padres continually look to be all hands on deck this season. They showed it by bringing up Tatis. They showed it by bringing in Chris Paddock. They'll probably show it by bringing up Logan Allen in short order. Uh, 
so you know to to leave Arias behind is is kind of disappointing. This is a guy who has the potential to be a plus to plus plus overall hitter. Uh, the power is never really going to be there. He's only five foot nine. But how how often have we said that? We said that about Ozzy out. Ozzy Albies in the past. Look what he can do now at the major league level, uh, being you know a short middle infielder. Could Arias be that? I'd love to see him prove it. Um, I'll be paying close attention to what they're going to be doing with him positionally. Uh, Tatis isn't moving off shortstop, but Arias has that in his bag. Uh, a lot of people thought he would be the opening day shortstop next to Ian Kinsler. That wasn't the case. Uh, He's he's been up for two games right now. Like I said, the first game he started at second base, batted leadoff. Second game came off the bench. Kinsler was back batting leadoff and in that second base position. Is it going to be a platoon? Uh, I don't. I'm not quite sure yet. I think Aria should get you know as many at bats as possible. That's the only way he's going to grow at the major league level. Uh, last year in the majors didn't quite go as he would have planned. He only hit 185 in 14 games. Uh, with 12 strikeouts, uh, but everybody knows what he he can do. I remember Andy Green at the winter meetings saying, like, you know, he was really getting going before I think a hamstring injury ended his season early. Uh, you know, they're very high on him, and if you're going to be an organization that's going to have your best talent on the field at all times, Urias should be part of that nine. And I've expressed excitement about having Machado play next to Tatis, play next to Urias, playing next to Eric Hosmer. Uh, you know what that can do for San Diego long term. Let that start now. Let Arias grow into that position. Kinsler can play multiple positions. He can get, spell Machado at third. Let him play once or twice a week at second base, spelling Arias. Um, but give Arias a chance to to show what he's capable of. Because as we've seen in the minor leagues, where he's a career 307 hitter, uh, the guy does not struggle at the plate for long as long as he's getting consistent at bats. So that's three strikes for this week's episode of the show before the show. Chicago White Sox prospect Mike Rodolfo coming up next. He will uh, discuss the uh, beginning of the 2019 season and a whole lot more in another organization that has a, a pretty bright future and a lot of exciting talent coming up. Adolfo and Sam after a brief pause on the show before the show podcast. We head to the Southern League this week on the show before the show podcast, the minor league baseball podcast, for number eight White Sox prospect, Micah Adolfo. Micah, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. Good, good. So a couple games under your belt now with A Birmingham. Um, you know, we're barely a week into the season, but how has this first week been? What, what are your first impressions of your time with the Barons? Um, you know, uh, it's, it's been pretty good. Um, the team, we got off to a slow start, but uh, we managed to get a couple of victories in that uh, five-game series up in Biloxi. Um, we kind of started off slow. You know, we haven't gotten ourselves in, in, in a, like, rhythm, but uh, we're, we're, we're still doing our work, and we'll be fine. We'll We'll pick it up. I know that we will. We we don't need to hit the panic button yet. Everything's everything's fine. Yeah, no, for sure. And you're only five games in, so nobody's going to be making any sweeping generalizations or anything like that. But you know, this is your first taste of Double A baseball. The first time, you know, this is the closest you've ever been to the big leagues. Um, is there anything that stood out about this jump up so far? Because last year you were at Winston Salem. The year before that, you're at Canapolis. Um, what are your first impressions just of what double-A life is like? 
Oh yeah, um, the pitchers are definitely much, much smarter. You know, in the sense that they, they're gonna attack you where they feel that you can, like, get your best swing on a ball. It's up to you to make that adjustment, and uh, and show them that you can hit the ball where where it's being pitched. And the strike zone, the strike zone is uh is really good. You know, um, I, I took some pitches. And a couple of my bats that I was like, whoa, that's a ball. So, <laughs> so that was uh, that was pretty cool, you know. Um, still, like I said, still getting into the rhythm of things, and uh, I'm starting to feel better. Yeah, and, and when you mention uh, you know going up against pitchers like this for the first time and and them having a plan, what have you noticed about the way they attack you specifically? So uh, they'll. They've been attacking me hard inside, you know, early in the count, and then they're they're going away from me uh, later in the count, you know. So and they'll mix in a few high pitches here and there, you know, to like start off the at bat, get me chase one, and then from there, if I chase that high pitch, they'll pound me with one inside and then go soft away, you know. So, so are there any adjustments you've made to your game or your approach to kind of adjust back to way, that kind of feedback you're getting from pitchers? To be honest, uh, well, yesterday I um, yesterday I, I kind of studied studied more like the information that we get during the game, and I saw the kind of pitcher that we had, and he he liked to throw a lot of fastballs, but his fastballs they're like kind of rising you know they had kind of like good uh backspin so the only thing you can do with that is is be on time and you gotta swing at the ball that's probably gonna start at your knees and it's gonna end up somewhere around your your belly button or something anything up from like your your middle of the stomach up that's a ball it's just gonna keep going up and uh, that kind of helped me yesterday, you know. You just stay on top of the ball, not try to do too much. I mean, I felt like I was trying to do too much the first couple games or swinging too hard and stuff, and I was getting me in a bad place. Uh, I don't need to swing too hard. You know, I just need to be on time and, and just whip that bad boy through the strike zone. Yeah, I feel like we're getting you at a good time here on the show. For anybody listening at home who hasn't been following the first couple games here, you opened up Ofer in the first four games, but yesterday – uh, you know, we're talking here today on, on Tuesday. On, on Monday in Biloxi, you went three for five with a double uh, with three RBIs. So, you know, obviously a good way to, to break a slump that way. Uh, you know, what, what was this spring training like for you? Because you're coming off a, a 2018 season that had a lot of positives until you underwent Tommy John surgery, uh, I think, last July. Um, what was this offseason like in, in getting prepared for this and, and being able to go this early in the season? Um, so to be honest, I, I, in the back of my mind, I always was thinking that I always wanted to be ready for spring, but my, uh, I was having a hard time with my range of motion <clears throat> and that was kind of limiting me from doing a lot of things like, uh, swinging a bat. And, uh, so I guess my arm just starting to start to feel better and started progressing really quick and around January really took off. And from there, everything just went up. Uh, I was able to start swinging 
I was throwing for a little bit, but then uh, I started getting some tingling in my, my pinky, and it kind of shut me down from that for a little bit until that calms down. Um, but, yeah, just heading into spring training, I, I felt good. You know, I prepared for the offseason uh, really good, you know. I worked, I worked out hard. My, my, my legs, my shoulders, I built strong set of shoulders, you know, because uh, I'm going to need my shoulder to be strong when I really start playing the outfield again, you know. And uh, that's pretty much it. Feels yeah, good and, now. And, and just to revisit something you said in there um, about being on a throwing program and, and putting that off to the side, are you throwing it all now or is it just – I know you've only played DH so far, so the during games it's it's strictly batting. But um, you know, have they completely shut you down from throwing again, or are you building back that up up at, at any point? Yeah, I'm I'm starting to build that build back up my shot on my throwing program uh, this week. So uh, hopefully the, the there should be sometime somewhere in the outfield, maybe uh, mid June, early July. Oh. Well, that's that's exciting because one of your biggest tools, uh, according to most scouting reports, is a plus plus arm. So adding that to a, a very exciting package will be fun to see again. Uh, you know, take us through what what it was like when you found out you needed Tommy John surgery because you mostly played DH last year as well, and, and you know they were trying to keep you away from throwing and trying to keep you away from harming your elbow after you had some earlier issues with it and then it just pops like that uh what was your thought process going into rehab going into the surgery and you know what what do you think that process did for you long term i feel like uh during this process if you're not mentally strong i mean it's gonna just eat you up you know you had days where your arm feels great and then uh, days where your arm sucks you know but uh, I felt like going through this process made me much stronger and uh, more gave me more determination to to get to get to the big leagues and continue uh, grinding and hustling, you know, because nothing is handed to you. Um, when I found out I, I was gonna have Tommy John, I mean, I was like, man, like I was re- I was really sad at the time, you know. I just couldn't believe it because I just. I was just preparing myself that off season so hard, you know, to build off that season that I had in Canapolis. And I just felt like all of a sudden it was just going to get taken away from me. But luckily, it never bothered me to swing. So uh, I got the green light to, to DH and continue progressing as a hitter. And, you know, and that really helped me last year, you know, continue again at bats and seeing advanced pitching and, uh, to get into this year. Mm. And, uh, yeah, you're somebody who has gone through a lot of uh, injuries in the past. The Tommy John is just the latest one. You've had handmade issues. You had a broken picky, at, I think, at one point, and uh, some leg and ankle issues. Do you have any kind of mantra to get you through these? Because this isn't – some of these are kind of freak things. They're not – like, a, it's a big injury history, but it's not like something that's going to be worrisome for the future. Uh, what do you do to get through injuries and get back on the field time and time again? I feel like it's it's all about how how you want it, you know. Uh, I've, I've wanted this since I was about six years old, you know, playing <laughs> the big leagues and not just being a regular player. And I want to be a game-changing player, you know. And I, I have the tools to do that. And every time I go through a little hiccup, in, in my way, you know, a little bump. 
Um, at first, it kind of it kind of hurts and, and bothers me, you know. But uh, you, you can't you can never question God, and, <clears throat> and you just gotta just keep praying and and ask Him to to give you strength to guide you through those through those tough moments, you know. I mean, you can't control that. Um, if it was up to me, I would never want to get hurt on a baseball field, you know, because that takes away time from your from you developing, you know. But uh, like like I said, you get these little speed bumps in your way, and you just I feel like the the it has molded molded me into the person that I am, you know, because I definitely never take anything for granted, you know, especially me being so much time off the field in the past couple of seasons. So just being able to, to play is a, is a blessing. Mm. And you mentioned wanting this since you were six years old. I want to go not quite that far back, but a, a little far back. You, you signed with the White Sox in July 2013. Uh, you know, it's, we're coming up on six years since that time now. You're at double A. You, you've been added to the 40-man roster pretty close to the major leagues throughout all these injuries how have you grown do you think the biggest on the baseball field since you signed out of the Dominican Republic so definitely the biggest part for me is growing you know on the mental side because this game is probably 80 percent mental and then 20 percent uh physical I'd say um you gotta be really strong because in this game you 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 succeed thirty percent of the time, then fail the other seventy percent of the times, and and you're awesome, you know. So uh, when I was younger, I, I didn't really understand that, you know. I always wanted the results to be, you know, then and there, like in that very moment. So if I was working on something new, I wanted to see the result that same day. And I I didn't really I was young, you know. I didn't understand the process of things, and um, so I was just like. It's very demanding with myself, but as I started gaining experience as the seasons went on, and uh, having the coaches talk to me all the time, and also my dad who, who played um, minor league baseball until the AAA level, that, that really helped me started like seeing things differently. You know, I wouldn't put my so myself in so much pressure. I'd, I'd go out and and have fun and. Uh, and trust my, my my abilities, you know, and just always try to stay positive. How long do you feel like that process took? Because that's the whole point of the Meyer Leagues is learning more about yourself and growing into a, uh, you know, close to major league ready player. Um, you know, obviously you're not fully finished with that yet, but how long do you feel like it took to you go from thinking every day, I need to improve, I need to do this, I need to do that, to, to where you are now mentally? Um, definitely it was uh, 2016 when I got moved up to, to Kannapolis right after, right before, right, the year before I had broken my ankle. So I got to Kannapolis and I played about two or three weeks with the guys and then I broke my hammock. I had to get the hammock removed and then I was in Arizona rehab. And when I came back, I, was, uh, I wasn't myself, you know, I couldn't, I wasn't fighting myself at the plate I was struggling a lot um, so I was just like you know what um, I'm not gonna try to uh, build my season or uh, continue building what I've missed out on these past couple months and one day I'm gonna take it a day at a time continue working hard 
and what happens happens and then probably like that last month and a half of the season I really started going forward you know I really started uh showing the kind of player that that I, I'm going to be in the future I wanted to be so and then I took off into instructs I went to instructs and continued working and working and had good instructs uh, I told them I also wanted to go to the instructs in Dominican continue getting more reps I went there and continued getting better and came right into spring training where I, where I picked off that about that last month and a half of that regular season uh, in Canapolis. And then ever since there, that, that, that's just been me, you know? Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I want to go even a little bit further back. You mentioned 2016 there. Uh, you have more of a process, obviously, coming out of the Dominican Republic and uh, you mentioned wanting to go back to the DR for instructs, but what is that process like for you? You you went from the DR pretty quickly to the AZL, and we're there. You know, so there's the culture shock. There's a whole new language. Obviously, we're speaking in English, which is your English is fantastic. Um, you know, what has that process been like? What have the White Sox worked with you to get you know into this country and comfortable in this country and comfortable speaking the language? I mean, how how many things have you worked on in culturally in the last six years um not much because i uh i was born in dominican but i i left when i was a baby and i grew up in new york and uh st thomas u.s virgin Islands. i went back to dominican when i was 14 probably two weeks before i turned 15 and uh i went to the baseball program over there and in hopes to get inside july 2nd the biggest thing for me was being away from my from my family, you know, I I was just seventeen. I had never been away from my mom and my dad that long, and uh, it, it, it had days where it, it really get to me. You know, I was just there all alone, and I'm just like, wow, you know, like I don't have my my mom and dad here with me, and it kind of sucks right now. But uh, I think the White Sox were always uh, having my back and always like helping me get get through that. You know, that um. The way uh, they helped me get through that it was it definitely the kind of built me into the kind of person I am today, you know. Because um, it's not easy when you're 16 or 17 years old being away from your home for the first time for for seven, eight months. You know, it can be really tough on you. No, I bet. Yeah. What, what was the biggest thing you missed about home? Yes, everything. You know, my just my mom, my my, my dad, my sister. Everyone, you know, the, the food. I, was, <laughs> I, miss my, I miss my food all the time, you know. I was just. What's your uh, go-to meal then came. back home? What were you craving well, the most? We, we eat a lot of rice, chicken, and beans every day, you know. And uh, so then when I got here, then I'd see stuff like uh, like uh, chicken and like a bell pepper and stuff like that. I, I never saw stuff like that. I see like mushrooms, and I had to eat that, you know, because. That's what it. That's what they had out for us, and I was just like, man, I've never eaten mushrooms before with, with like chicken and stuff, you know, and then, and then salads. Like I had never really eaten salads and stuff like that, and then I called my mom and be like, like I don't know how to cook anything, you know, and then she's like, you, you got to make the best of it, son. You know, you're a professional baseball player now, and uh, um, I know it kind of sucks that that mom's not not there for you to be able, to, but you. Yeah, start turning into a, a young man at a very young age, 
And I, and I was just like, yeah, and then, so she was right. <laughs> I'm sure that's something she reminds you about all the time, if she's anything like, like my mother. Um, but what became your go-to dish then when you were all of a sudden trying to make it here and, and trying to find your own way, and especially in the kitchen? Um, my go-to dish at that time um, was like the macaroni and the uh, scalloped potatoes, and then they'd have that with like steak tips and stuff like that. That was really good. I remember mm. that. That was one of my favorite meals. Yeah, no, there you go. That's that's a pretty good introduction. Um, so yeah, so coming back to, to 2019, again, you're opening this year with Double A Birmingham. Double A is when we start to talk about it being real for guys and, and knowing that how close to the majors they really are. Um, but when you signed in 2013, you signed in a class with Aloy Jimenez and, and Rafael Devers and Glaber Torres, guys who are now, you know, in the major leagues. Um, you know, how how close do you feel right now? I mean, what, especially in an organization that. You saw what Eloy, you know, did climbing to the majors this spring. Um, you know, how close to to Chicago do you really feel? Oh, I uh, I feel like I'm I'm right there. You know, I just uh, got to stay healthy. <clears throat> you know, um, and go out in the field and be the best player I can be every every day. You know, um, like I said, in this game, you're gonna fail about seventy percent of the times. Um, and then the other thirty percent of the times, if you're doing good, you're you're awesome. You're a superstar or whatever. But uh, definitely just controlling my emotions and and just just being me. You know, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's end on that one then, because I wanted to bring this up. You haven't really had a chance to show White Sox fans yet what you can do fully healthy when everything's clicking when everything's coming together so when you say i just need to be me what do you think the fully healthy fully productive micro adolfo is going to look like he's gonna be uh i feel like i'm gonna be a middle of the order guy with uh that's gonna uh rack up assists every year in the outfield um and on the base paths he's gonna be Aggressive and he's gonna try to to score on everything unless the coach stops him. Um, that's the kind of guy I feel like I'm gonna be. You know. So, is there anybody you you've modeled your career after, or anybody you looked up to growing up and thinking that's the guy I want to be when I make the major leagues? Like uh, Vladimir Guerrero. That, that that's a pretty good one, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we could all be like Vlad, we would all be Hall of Famers. So that's a that's a good one. All right, Micah, thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, congrats again on the uh, the comeback and, and getting back on the field as quickly as you did. And good luck the rest of the way down there in Birmingham. Thank you, Sam. All right, so. For uh, this segment, we bring in MILB.com's Benjamin Hill for his usual weekly segment. Uh, this feels much more formal than w- what we normally do with you, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well, and, and there's no need for formality. Yeah. It's a casual atmosphere. It is a casual atmosphere. As we sit here in this massive conference room once again, not not as big. Well, no, it's a little bit bigger than last this week. This is bigger than last week. This is a palatial conference room. You could have, you know, two dozen high-ranking board members ham- hammering out billion-dollar deals in this room. But it's just us. It's just us. Keeping just, it modest. Just talking about minor league baseball. Yeah. I definitely prefer that to what 
also happens in big rooms like this. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so you've got promo preview up. This is your first one of the season, I think, right? Or second one? Did you do one for opening week? Yeah, opening week. I you know we we went over some of it last week. Just uh, you know, kind of ten promos to look out for. Right, right. Kind of more for of a season. season a season overview. Yeah. Um, you know, promo preview. Just you know, talking historically. You know, I started writing for this site in 2005, writing game recaps, and it was during the 2006 season when I was working during the day, I was just asked to write a promo column, um, just because it was one of our editors writing it, and he was overwhelmed with other stuff, and um, I was like, sure, you know, let's do that, and it was fun to write, and I got to make jokes, and I got to learn about teams, and learn about the promotions they were doing, and I'm only going into this to say is, like, that is what kicked off my whole career as it stands now, is writing that promo column, mm. was the sort of uh, first step Oh, well, the first step was getting hired to write game recaps in 2005, but the second step and what really led me on my current career path was writing a promo column all the way back in 2005, so or 2006. So it's a little surreal in the year 2019 to be talking about, like, hey, let's talk about the promo no, column agree. you're writing. <laughs> if you had told me in 2006 I'd be on a podcast, first of all, like, what's that? But uh, in 2019, talking about my promo columns, I'd be like, wait, what? Like, what? But here we are. But here we are. And the, the cool thing about this is that it still feels fresh every time you do it. I mean, the, there are still new ideas that people come up with. Obviously, minor league baseball being so big, there are going to be so many ideas coming at you week to week. Um, but it feels like it's different every time, which I which I appreciate as a reader. And I'm sure you appreciate it as a writer. But we're going to be sticking mostly to South Carolina in this segment this week, uh, starting with promo preview in which you talk about Myrtle Beach and how they really get involved in the community and they're trying to pay tribute to Good Samaritans from Hurricane Florence, which obviously affected that region. Uh, what can you tell us about their initiative there? Yeah, Myrtle Beach Pelicans uh, on this past Saturday, April 6th, gave away a Community Heroes card set. And the reason I focused on this in my latest column, and my column these days are kind of part preview, part review of things that happen. It's all over the place chronologically, but it's all about minor league promos. But I, I focused on this one. Uh, dealing with the with what the Pelicans did on Saturday, because as you know, I'm always looking for you know fresh ideas, and it was maybe about four or five years ago. I th- I want to say it was the Lowell Spinners who did it first, but I, I can't recall exactly. But the idea of a military hero trading card set, where teams would solicit um, you know f- su- submissions from the local community, saying you know are you someone who served or someone in your family served. Um, you know, get in touch with us and we'll put together a set of local people who served in the military. That idea then caught on and dozens of teams have done it through the years. So now we in uh, Myrtle Beach, we had the Pelicans who do a military card set. They've, that's something they've done in the past. And this year they took that formula and took it in a new direction. You know, Hurricane Florence hit over the offseason. Um, Myrtle Beach proper wasn't devastated by the hurricane itself, but the surrounding area um, the flooding that followed was hit very hard. So whenever you're dealing with a traumatic situation like that, you know, as Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. Mm. Um, you know, obviously a lot of good Samaritans stepped up amid all the devastation. And the Myrtle Beach Pelicans took this military tribute concept and said, let's just do a community heroes card set. And it honors, in this case, 24 individuals um, who, who stepped up in the wake of Hurricane Florence to help the community. And I just think that was a really cool idea. And of course, on Saturday, they had all or most of those heroes at the ballpark, recognized them in a pregame ceremony. And to the first 1,000 fans in attendance, they gave away one of these card sets. So it's just, uh, you know, normal people who did who did good in the wake of, of a tragedy. So you have people like uh, 
a guy named Jarrett Hux who uh, owned a hotel, a 70-room hotel, and he opened his doors and let people stay there for free. You, know, you have a third grader named Abby Woods who volunteered all over the community and you know filled sandbags and delivered food and st- stuff like that. So up, you know, up and down the line, 24 different people, all walks of life, uh, who stepped up in a time of need and honored in a minor league baseball team's card set. Um, obviously, no market wants to go, th- or no community, no minor league market uh, wants to go through, you know, a devastating event. But you know, let's face it, they they happen, <laughs> and they've been happening more and more, uh, uh, meteoro- meteorologically speaking. So I think it is an idea that we will see emulated, and I think it's a great way to just um, to pay tribute to people in the community who might not specifically serve in the military or have a specific connection uh, to a public service-minded job, but who really step up in times of need. And I just thought it was a cool idea, so that's what the, they did on Saturday. And then the next day, they gave away a, a bobblehead of a local weatherman, meteorologist Ed Piotrowski, and that was supposed to be on the same night as the Community Heroes card set, but he was down at the National Tropical Weather Conference accepting an award uh, for his outstanding television coverage before, during, and after the hurricane. So Saturday, the Pelicans gave away the card set. Sunday, the Ed Piotrowski bobblehead. So it was a weekend of kind of looking back at Hurricane Florence. Obviously not something to celebrate, but something to uh, commemorate and to celebrate the people who, uh, you know, who, who did well in this time of need. Yeah, and one of my favorite things about this story, too, is this quote that you have where the, the Pelicans say that they received over 100 submissions for this and dwindling that down to 24. Um, yeah, I don't know if they if they mentioned this to you or if they have any plans to do this again, but the fact that they could do this almost four times over with the amount of people who helped out in that region uh, speaks to, you know, the people around Myrtle beach and the willingness of other people to acknowledge what people did for them. Yeah, absolutely. And talking to general manager Ryan Moore about this promotion, you know, he said it was tough to narrow down. He said, you know, when applicable, they would put multiple people on the same card to get in as many people as possible, but that's definitely an unenviable task of uh you know, I deal with it in a uh, you know less dramatic way, just trying to pick my favorite ballparks or whatever. It is hard when you're dealing with a lot of quality material to narrow it down, but that's what you got to do. All right, so also as part of promo preview, you kind of pick a promo a day to, to look forward to. What else is standing out to you this week? Uh, well, we had a couple absurd ones, and I need to get details on this, but uh, you know, I tweeted about it yesterday, and no one seemed to care, but I like when teams, especially in the early season, you know, kind of cold weather, generally low-attended games, when they just throw ridiculous prom- promos out there. Uh, last night, the Akron Rubber Ducks staged Flicks and Chili Night, and that's like Netflix and chill, but it's Netflix it's and... It's a spoonerism for that, <laughs> I guess. But it's Netflix and chili, and they devoted the evening to a celebration of our fans' favorite Netflix scenes and use of beans, which doesn't even make sense. I guess it's their favorite use of beans. In a Netflix scene, I guess? No, or, or just chili is their favorite use of beans. It's just yeah. a, it's a weird syntax. It I, is. I don't it is. It. I don't even know if the team knew what they were going for, but I shout it out because it's so weird. And then um, as we speak uh, you know, tonight, and this will have happened uh, you know, when you hear this tomorrow. So this segment will be obsolete. Yeah. If New Hampshire Fisher Cats uh, have obsolete night Wednesday, April 10th. Uh, yesterday, if you're listening to this on the day the podcast came out, uh, celebrating outdated things such as fax machines, video stores, and flip phones. Uh, so that's just like another back-to-back uh, absurd promos in the Eastern League on uh, April 9th and April 10th. One thing you threw in there that I just want to point out real quick, you say check the team's MySpace page for more information. That seems like a Ben Quip, but is that... That, that was a quip. Yeah. Okay, all right. yeah. <laughs> they don't actually set up a MySpace. Anyways, that they didn't. I don't think you can set up a, a MySpace page. Um, one other thing I want to mention is 
obviously in baseball, you know, on April 15th, we'll see the, uh, you know, it's been a tradition for years now, Jackie Robinson Day, everyone wearing 42. This is something I've written about in the past, and, um, you know, we've talked about it on various fronts. But, you know, the Daytona Daytona Tortugas uh, play at Jackie Robinson Ballpark. That ballpark is named in honor of Jackie Robinson because he spent 1946 spring training there, which were his first games as a member of the Brooklyn Dodgers organization. Uh, When he spent 1946 spring training in Daytona, he wore number nine. So for the last couple seasons, the Tortugas, they've gotten permission to do this instead of wearing 42, as a Jackie Robinson tribute, the team all wears number nine uh, in reference to the number he wore in uh, spring training. So they're doing that, celebrating him all weekend, having um, uh, you know various giveaway items related to uh, to Jackie Robinson, a shirt and a uh, I believe a statue replica. There's a Jackie Robinson statue outside the ballpark. They're giving away a statue replica, and then uh, later in the week, um, one of the April 13th. Uh, over the weekend, one of the most notable uh, alternate identities of April, for sure. Louisville Bats, who were the mashers in previous years, um, you know, representing uh, Louisville's uh, you know whiskey bourbon industry. This year, they're paying tribute to alcohol once again, but also paying tribute to uh, you know horse racing. You know, being uh, Louisville and uh, the home of Kentucky Derby, uh, Churchill Downs. They're playing as the Derby City Mint Juleps on uh, April 13th. And if you haven't seen those uniforms, check them out. They are pretty interesting. And then we'll go back to the absurd real quick. Uh, April 14th, the Hickory Crawdads are celebrating the 77th birthday, I guess. This is not something that's born, per se, but duct tape is 77 years old, and the Hickory Crawdads are celebrating. Uh, Happy birthday to duct tape. Duct tape. That's always important that you have to make it. With the T and not a K. Yeah, I went down a little rabbit hole on the Wikipedia page when I just wanted to see if there was any information about the – and, you know, it got way too complicated, and there was all this back and forth about the etymology of the word and how it was duck in certain situations. So we can't get into that. Yeah, no, that's that's another promo that Akron should look into down the line, I think. Um, And one other story we want to shout out real quick that you have coming up for the site. It should be up by the time this podcast is up on Thursday. Uh, You did a story on Charleston – uh, adding to its community relations staff, but adding, and not just, this isn't your normal like front office edition. This is somebody who's actually been on this podcast, former Cubs outfielder, uh, outfield prospect, Chris Singleton, who has been heavily involved in, in the Charleston area for a long time. Uh, he tragically lost his mother in the church shooting down there a couple of years ago. That's why we had him on the podcast. If you get a chance, go back and listen to that episode. Chris is you know his message about overcoming that and you know going towards love and away from hate is is it's on a number of different levels but anyways uh he'll be joining the charleston river dogs front office what can you tell us about his new role and how the river dogs are taking him on yeah i mean chris singleton uh you know a charleston area guy and as you mentioned lost his mother in the church shooting of 2015 um he was drafted by the chicago cubs he played for charleston southern um you know, in college, and then was drafted by the Cubs and spent uh, the last uh, two seasons in the Cubs organization. As you said, you talked to him when he was in the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, then he was released in March, and he's only 22 years old, and went, you know, almost immediately, and just essentially starting now, um, to a uh, community outreach role with the Charleston River Dogs. So this guy's journey continues. Um, he's already a motiv- motivational speaker spreading the um, – 
you know, hate conquering or love conquering hate message, um, uh, a message of forgiveness. I mean, he's already showed a kind of a remarkable response to what he's been through. 22 years old and now just released from the Cubs organization. I imagine that has to be tough to deal with in and of itself. And now he's with the last, last level he played at was Class A in the Midwest League in South Bend. And now he's working for a Class A team in the South Atlantic League. But it's going to give him an opportunity to continue to spread the message that he's been so devoted to uh, over the last several years. So he will work with the River Dogs um, you know, as an official member of their staff to reach out to the community, to spread the message. And it's obviously a community he's already very intimately familiar with, having you know, grown up in the region as well as... Um, you know what he went through in 2015 and um you know all the speaking he's done in relation to that uh so i was supposed to talk to chris uh earlier this morning but he got a little hung up so don't have all the details on the story yet because i will be talking to him very shortly uh i hope and uh but that story should be up as he mentioned tomorrow uh pretty interesting hire for the river dogs um chris singleton director of community outreach fresh off his playing career uh, still in baseball and on a totally new chapter. I mean, this guy's 22 years old. He mm. lost his mother in the church shooting. His father died not too long ago. Uh, he is married with a young kid. He has two younger siblings who he kind of went into a guardian caregiver role. He got released by the Cubs. Now he has a new job here. He's a motivational speaker, and I it's overwhelming to think about. Yeah. But this guy's taken on a lot. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to talk to him. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's the ultimate tease is, uh, you know, read the story and see what Chris has to say about this new role and, and see what he's willing to do with it. Um, so we'll wrap it up with this. You're going to be announcing your road trip schedule soon. Not not yet. If When you do, it'll it'll lead your segment uh, either next week or in the weeks to come. It'll uh, definitely. I know last week I said it'd be this week. It'll definitely be next week. It'll definitely be next week. Okay. So the what schedule. Can you, it's all good to go. Right. So what can you tease us about for that for next week? What can we look forward to about that? Well, you can look forward to roughly a trip a month. Well, a trip a month uh, starting in early May. It looks like May first is when I will uh, embark on the first trip. Um, you know, taking April off, so to speak, from the road is not something I do every year, but something I've done through the years, my years of travel. This will be uh, my tenth season of travel, going back to 2010. Um, and I think April is, is kind of a good month to lay low a little bit because teams are just starting, you know, getting their own feet, you know, getting their own uh, feet underneath them, getting a roll with the season. The weather's not that great. Uh, but in May, June, July, August, you know, and I will be hitting all the new ballparks and a few bonus things on top of that. And as I've mentioned in the past, uh, not as many places as in the past, trying to stay a little longer at each place and uh, still working on the specifics of how the material will change, but it definitely will um, And in ter- as a result of me uh, – I don't want to say being embedded in a place, but staying a little longer and not just doing my typical, uh, here's eight teams and here's eight days and I'm just going to go wild and, and uh, get overwhelmed. And I kind of like that manic energy, but it's, uh, you know, I'm an older man now and I'm going to do things a little differently. And you've been everywhere. You, you know, well, not everywhere, obviously, the new parks, but, like right. Amarillo, Las Vegas, that type of stuff. But, you know, time to freshen up and, you know, that, right. I think that's going to be good for readers to get a more immersive experience is going to be good for you to keep your head on straight the entire time yeah i and think so and I, a lot of fun stuff to come yeah absolutely and you hit it on the head like after i hit the hashtag ben everywhere milestone been to every active park um you know i felt like hey slow down a little bit you don't always have to have that manic drive to keep getting places or if you haven't been in a place and i haven't been here in five years or six years look I've done what I could. I'm only one man. It's worked out pretty well so far. can always be better. Hopefully this year it will be better, uh, and it will all be starting soon. I'll be on the road in a couple weeks and be announcing it uh, very soon. 
and I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, yeah, we'll talk to you next week about that and reveal everywhere you're going to be going in 2019. Uh, thanks for joining us this week, Ben. We'll talk to you next week. And before we go, let me be the one to say it this time. You're sitting on my right. That's right. And you're on my left. And uh, now it's time for me to be the one that has left. Right? Yeah. <laughs>Final segment of this week's episode of the show before the show podcast for the first time this season we get to uh pre I guess we could have done this last week but we didn't we get to preview uh what we're watching on milb.tv this week you can get your subscription right now uh to watch all the best in minor league baseball in the 2019 season Sam what do you got your eye on this weekend well I'm going to recommend people watch a game that I will actually be there for uh, on Saturday, I'm going to be traveling as a fan, not to cover, although, you know, who, who knows what will happen. I'll, I'll bring my recorder with me. But uh, uh, on Saturday, I'll be traveling to the Scranton region to see Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders take on the Buffalo Bisons. Uh, you know, hopefully by then, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be, have ended his rehab. I don't have any inside info on that. The Blue Jays keep saying they'll update folks as they see fit, but he seems to be getting regular bats with Dunedin again, even if that. Even if Vlad isn't with the Bisons yet, uh, Tyler picked them last week, I think, as his favorite lineup or most interesting lineup yeah, most going interesting into the lineup. year. Right. So Bo Bichette will be there. Uh, and, I, and I do have to have a mea culpa on this. We corrected you, Tyler, for saying like Anthony Alford was getting called up Toronto, so he might not be in that lineup. Then he was in the lineup for the Bisons on opening day. Uh, very confusing set of transactions for Toronto. For me, they they trade away uh, Randall Grichik. I'm uh, not Randall Grichik. Kevin Pillar, excuse me, uh, to the the Giants, and then say like, oh, this is to get Alfred at bats, and then they call up Alfred, and then they send him back to Buffalo. Anyways, that's still a really really interesting lineup between those guys and Kevin Biggio and whatever. Uh, and also, David Polino is is scheduled to go for the Bisons in that game. Anybody who's been following his career going back to the Astros, tons of potential there, just hasn't been able to stay on the field, either through suspension or through injuries. Um, so I'll be interested to see what he can do uh, up close. Um, but you know, if you don't have the opportunity to go, uh, watch it on MILB TV. It's in HD now, a lot of these feeds, which is fantastic. Yeah. If, you, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, it's crystal clear. Uh, I had somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were they were talking about Eric Swanson got called up by the Mariners, and they saw some highlights of his, and they're like, "This is weird." And I'm like, "Why?" And they're like, "Well, this doesn't look like Seattle." I'm like, "I know because that was when he was pitching for Tacoma." Uh, the, the feeds are crystal clear. It, it's really neat to see. It's it's a lot of fun to watch uh, if you get the chance. So a, any of these feeds, they're all marked on MILB.tv, available in HD. But uh, you'll see the Meyer leagues like you haven't seen them before. Um, and that segues very well into the game that I am picking this weekend. Fresno is on the road at Las Vegas, and uh, I'm picking it as much for the MILB.TV quality as for the uh, the feel, the players on the field quality. But uh, maybe the most maligned <laughs> Mill TV feed that we've had in recent seasons has been Las Vegas. Um, at Cashman Park, there, Cashman Field, there was only so much that you could really do from a, uh, a streaming standpoint. But brand new ballpark. Um, Josh Jackson and I were actually talking about this the other day. For these new ballparks, we kind of wish that there were more just like ballpark shots and city shots and just like a camera walking around because we all want to experience what the ballparks are like. But Amarillo, uh, Vegas, there are some really cool new parks. Uh, Fayetteville uh, in the minor leagues that you can check out on Milk TV this year as well. And uh, coming up this weekend – 
there are some really interesting prospects on those teams obviously uh carter keboom is up with uh with fresno at the triple a level in the nationals organization which is now fresno is now the nationals affiliate uh at the triple a level uh and on the vegas side we talked about how interesting that roster is sean murphy is kind of the guy who uh, i've got an eye on when watching vegas the catching prospect in the oakland a's organization who is up there so uh you can check that out and uh, get a look at maybe the new crown jewel in the minor leagues from everything that we have heard about las vegas ballpark which will play host to the las vegas aviators and the fresno grizzlies coming up this weekend and maybe you get a glimpse of finn the bat dog it's just going to be my mission now to try to work finn a finn mention into every episode because that's i think that's too straight now that's that's only what they deserve after (laughs) getting treated so horribly by the umpire the other night yeah exactly what was that all about uh i don't know finn talk about an ump show yeah umpire picked up a bat threw it away from finn come on man one of the cutest members of the minor leagues finn lived up to it is it his him or her i believe finn is a boy okay uh finn lived up to his training though and and chased the bat as in the on deck circle (laughs) just bolted over to the on deck circle and still picked the bat up and promptly returned it exactly where it needed to be what a dog what a a pro what What a a pro just a true professional finn um and uh yeah so that's uh it's all coming up this weekend at milb.tv and uh yeah we got more teams than ever more games than ever uh available in hd uh pretty much across the minor leagues and you can get your subscription right now at milb.tv that'll do it for this week's episode of the show before the show podcast for sam dykstra i'm tyler mom we'll talk to you next week 